I am glad and uh, excited to be able to come and open up God's Word with you guys this evening. Um, and my kids are having a blast. They were so excited to come tonight. You have no idea. So they're probably going crazy downstairs now. But it is good, very good to be here. Yeah, so we are continuing in Mark this evening, and if you do have your Bibles, I'd like us to turn to Mark chapter 1. So picking up from, from last week, and so in order for us to get a running start, uh, let's get a little context, and um, let's read from verse 35 is good. So it's Mark chapter 135. <clears throat> In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. They found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. He said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. Verse 39. And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. Verse 42. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. Um, may we indeed treasure um, these truths, these accounts, um, particularly here this evening as we consider uh, the compassion of your son as he came to dwell with sinful man, himself taking upon his eternal divine self the form and the body of a man to become both God and man on our behalf, the God-man. So God, as we behold your son in all his beauty in his wonder, and in his grace, and in his compassion. God, may our hearts be stirred towards the compassion of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray all this in his name. 
Amen. So now in 1905, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the state of Massachusetts, they purchased this tiny island named Penakis Island off the Massachusetts coast in Buzzards Bay. And they purchased this island in order to establish a hospital there. Now, there was no source of fresh water and, on this island. So there's no, no source of fresh water on this island. And it was frequently inaccessible during the winter months when ice and treacherous waves would prevent boats from reaching it with supplies from the mainland. So you might wonder, why would anyone build a hospital here? It was essentially the Alcatraz of the East Coast. And ultimately, it was not out of um, benevolence, not out of compassion that this hospital was built, not out of mercy, but this hospital was built out of fear. Excuse me. It was fear that placed this hospital here because the state of Massachusetts was building a leprosarium. Essentially, this was a containment center to which patients with leprosy could be exiled, essentially for life. And the state supplied one doctor and a five-staff personnel to maintain this small island. And after several years of deplorable conditions and the deaths of patients, as well as the resignation of the previous uh, chief physician, a doctor, Frank Parker, and his wife, Marion, relinquished his comfortable and successful 22-year medical practice to come head up this leprosarium. So Dr. Frank and his wife, Miriam, labored to give the patients a meaningful and dignified existence. They provided books, radios, record players, and the like. They provided uh, employment and even their own currency to which he would uh, send uh, the boatsmen to go pick up supplies from the mainland based on the earnings of the patients. They even conducted their own worship services um, to the best of their know-how until they were able to obtain uh, clergy to come um, and, and do so on the island. And so he turned this, uh, essentially this penitentiary of life imprisonment into a mini haven for lepers who were confined on this island. But then, due to pressure from public paranoia, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts decided that they didn't want any lepers in their state whatsoever. And they wanted this leprosarium closed. And they intended to send or extradite the existing patients to a containment center down in Louisiana that was being built out of former slaves' quarters. And so Dr. Frank, he fought for the preservation of Penakis Island 
for this leprosarium. He fought for it at great cost of his own career. He was smeared by the medical industry and by medical boards throughout the states. And after it was all said and done, the leprosarium was burned to the ground. The lepers, the patients with the leprosy were sent to Louisiana. Many of them died. And Dr. Parker, when he returned to the mainland, was no longer to reopen a medical practice because of his reputation that has been dragged through the mud. So he and his wife, Marion, resigned to just live with their son in Montana, where he eventually contracted a whooping cough and died. This man expended his life at great cost himself to show compassion to those whom the world had written off, to these souls created in the image of God, who through circumstances and in God's providence suffered from the disease of leprosy. And now this evening's passage that we're looking at tonight will demonstrate the warmth of Jesus' compassion and the cost upon his own life. So this evening's passage will demonstrate the warmth of our Savior's compassion and its cost upon his own life that we might emulate his example. So we're going to be looking at first the priority of preaching and then the plights of the leper and finally the problem of popularity. So first the priority of preaching and It picks up in verse 39, but we're going to just do a little context just so we have some review. Now, as you might recall, this is the beginning, the very start of Jesus' ministry. So Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. That's in chapter 1, verse 9. And he starts to preach in Galilee, verse 14. And while he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, it's there that he calls his first disciples. Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, and the two other brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. So these were fishermen who were casting their nets, or they were mending their nets on the shore. And to whom Jesus comes and says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so here, this newly formed ragtag band of four fishermen and a carpenter enter into their first town, Capernaum. This is a city along the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And here, Jesus teaches in the synagogue. And when a demon-possessed man approaches him, Jesus casts out the unclean spirits. And so the people are all amazed. They're amazed at his teaching and his miraculous power. Now, you can imagine for his four new fishermen friends, they might just be in just as much wonder and just as much amazement. And you got to think that they're they're probably looking at at each other wondering, like, dude, bro, I mean, literally, they're brothers, right? Bro, like, what is going on? Like, who is this guy? Like, are you seeing this? Is this real life? And now, no, in all of this, we need to remember who is behind the pen of this gospel account. So we see that it is entitled the Gospel of Mark. It was, in fact, a dictation 
by Peter. As Polycarp and the Apostle John testify that Mark was essentially transcribing the memoirs of Peter. As Mark was his disciple and his interpreter. So it would be just as appropriate to call this the gospel according to Peter. Okay, so let's, let's keep that in mind as we walk through this, this series throughout Mark. We're, we're seeing all these events through the eyes of the Apostle Peter. And so continuing on, the, the news and the wonderment about Jesus is beginning to spread. We see this in verse 28. And then Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law who had a fever in verse 31. So he goes to Simon's, uh, uh, goes and heals Simon's mother-in-law. So it's really getting close to home for Peter. Um, I mean, they're literally in Peter's house. And through the evening, the whole city gathers at the door. They're bringing their sick and they're bringing, bringing their demon-possessed. And yet, what does Jesus do? Before dawn, Jesus manages to, to get away, to slip away to a secluded place in order to pray. And Simon Peter and his crew go out searching for him, and when they finally found, find him, what do they say? Everyone is looking for you. Right? Jesus Everyone is looking for you. All Capernaum is astir. This Jesus mania has begun. I mean, what are you doing out here? All by yourself in, in the wilderness. We need to capitalize on this moment. And so the parallel count in Luke chapter 4 reveals that the crowds themselves were out searching for him. And when he was eventually found, they tried to prevent him from leaving. One commentator writes, the disciples wanted Jesus to take advantage of his growing popularity and perform more miracles. However, Jesus' primary, primary mission was not to be a miracle worker, but a redeemer. And so Jesus replies, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. Verse 39, and so he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching and casting out the demons. In fact, essentially he's saying, I have not come, Peter, disciples, People of Capernaum, I have not come to heal earthly diseases, nor have I come to become the next trending sensation in Capernaum. Rather, I have come to preach. And as it has been said, God had only one son, and he made him a preacher. As we saw in verse 14, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I have come to preach the gospel of my Father, proclaiming release to the captives, sight to the blind, declaring the favorable year of the Lord. 
For the Son of Man did not come to perform miracles of healing and to make people's lives more comfortable on their way to hell. But the Son of Man came for what? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. While the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Through suffering, through disaster, through disease, through leprosy, I, on the other hand, have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. John 10, 10. True life, abundant life, eternal, everlasting. And so that is why he has come. And that is why he goes throughout the region of Galilee, seeking out the synagogues in each town to preach, to preach the gospel of his Father, that the kingdom of God is at hand. The time is fulfilled. Repent and believe. Jesus stressed the priority of preaching. Next, let's look at the plight of the leper, verse 40, 40 through 42. And the leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So you don't see this every day. You don't see this every day because lepers weren't welcome in town. And they're definitely not welcome in the synagogue if Jesus happened to be teaching in a synagogue at this time. You see, lepers were forbidden by law from living in any Jewish municipality. This is from Numbers chapter 5. And we find in Luke's parallel account that this man is covered with leprosy. His leprosy is one that has progressed and is very severe. So let's, let's put, your, put ourselves in his skin for just a minute and get a sense of what this was like for this man. So the biblical term for leprosy comprises a variety of infectious skin diseases, and most significantly of which is Hansen's disease, and which resembles the symptoms described in Scripture. And Hansen's disease is, is even to this day referred to as leprosy in modern medicine. So leprosy is caused by a bacterial infection. Uh, the bacteria is called Mycobacterium leprae. So it's like lacrae, but with a P. Um, and that's not a, you know, not trying to bash on lacrae. So no, no comment on that. Uh, now, this bacterium attacks the nervous system. And so one doctor, Dr. Alan Gillen, writes, its symptoms start in the skin, in the peripheral nervous system, outside the brain and spinal cord, then it spreads to other parts, such as the hands, feet, face, and earlobes. Patients with leprosy experience disfigurement of the skin and bones, 
twisting of the limbs and curling of the fingers to form the characteristic claw hand. Tumor-like growths form on the skin and in the respiratory tract, and the optic nerve deteriorates. But it is the loss of sensory function that really wreaks the most havoc on the body. Leprosy patients in a hospital in India would work all day long gripping a shovel with a protruding nail or walk on splintered glass without a care. The daily routines of life would grind away at the leprosy patient's hands and feet. But no warning system alerted him. If an ankle turned, tearing tendon and muscle, he would adjust and simply walk crooked. If a rat chewed off a finger in the night, he would not discover it missing until the next morning. Eventually, the joints separate, the fingers, toes, and other members fall off one by one. The victim is doomed to see himself dying piece by piece. Through scripture, leprosy is considered a living death. This is a living death where death consumes your body little by little, from your limbs and your extremities to your very core of your being, even as you remain alive. And leprosy was typically viewed as a curse of God's judgment for one's sin. We've seen this with Miriam as PH has been going through the book of Numbers, where Miriam rebelled with Aaron against Moses, and God strikes her with what? Leprosy. And there's Gehazi, Elisha's servant. So Naaman is healed of leprosy. Um, Elisha instructs him, you know, this Syrian general, um, this foreign Syrian general comes, and Elisha instructs him to go bathe in the Jordan seven times, and, and there he's healed of leprosy, and he wants to give uh, Elisha a gift, and Elisha turns it down saying, uh, you, know, the, this, you know, this is, this is not for him to receive because this is the work of God to heal him. But what does his servant Gehazi do? Right? He runs out, follows him, and, and chases him down and, and tells Naaman, actually, my master has changed his mind. I will accept the gifts. And then when he returns, Elisha rebukes him. Saying, was, did, my, did not my spirit depart and watch you as the man was getting off from his chariot? And in 2 Kings chapter 5, he says, Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence a leper as white as snow. So Gehazi received a curse from his master, Elisha. And lastly, there is King Uzziah. King Uzziah, he was, for the most part, a good king. With a long reign of 20, uh, 42 years, which marked the height of Judah's power. Yet in the end, pride overtook him. And he forces his way into the temple to offer incense. He's trying to perform the function of a priest. As if he, he could proclaim himself to be a priest king. Yet this was an affront to God. Because ultimately, who is the true priest king? That would be the Messiah. 
right? And so here, King Uzziah was overstepping his, the limitations of his office. And there in the temple, while the incense are in his hands, God strikes him with leprosy. It spreads straight from his forehead, and he's ushered out, and he would die of the disease. Divine judgment. Now, as if the stigma of divine judgment and the physical sufferings that we've examined weren't enough, the law itself deemed that the leper is unclean and defiled and that the leper must be excluded from the community. In Leviticus 13, it reads, As for the leper, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And if anyone approaches him, he shall cry, Unclean, unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. He was barred from the temple to worship or offer sacrifices. He was barred even from entering the city. And so whenever anyone might approach him in in the field or on the road, he would have to cover his mouth and, and cry out, unclean, unclean. The leper was cut off from everyone and everything. The leper lived without family, without friends, without occupation, and without hope. His pitiful plight was permanent as there were no cures in the ancient world. So as we return to our text, as this poor, miserable man shuffles in and falls down before Jesus, in Luke, it describes him as falling flat on his face before our Savior. You might imagine what the bystanders are doing. This leper is coming into town. You can imagine them, these bystanders, hurrying to scurry off in panic. Perhaps some of them are getting ready to pick up stones to hurl hurl at him, to drive him out of town. Get this guy out of here. And perhaps others are covering their faces and and rushing to whisk their children away. Don't look at him. Don't breathe. We got to get out of here. I mean, this man might as well be the boogeyman. He might as well be the Grinch. (laughs) They wouldn't touch this guy with a 39 and a half foot pole. Now, little did these people know, as modern medicine has discovered, leprosy actually has very, very low pathogenicity. Very low pathogenicity. It is not highly contagious at all. It doesn't spread easily at all. And this type of bacteria that causes leprosy, um, Mycobacterium uh, leprae, not lecrae, it replicates at an extremely slow rate. And 95% of people who might somehow contract this bacteria do not develop leprosy. So 95% of the human population is essentially resistant to this disease. 
I mean, the immune system that God has designed within us is a miraculous thing. So 95% of us are naturally immune. And even so, for the 5% that aren't, in our day, this disease is easily curable with antibiotics. Um, so please don't leave here tonight uh, as a germaphobe. <laughs> uh, you know, microbes are a part of life. And even if you do get leprosy, it's, 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 if you're part of that 5%, it will be okay. <laughs> um, yeah, antibiotics will and can and will save you. Um, so praise God for his wisdom and grace. But unfortunately for our leper here, you know, maybe he was part of the 5% that was not immune. And sadly for him, antibiotics did not exist in his day. There was no cure. There was no relief. All this man had was the stigma and the suffering. It was just himself and his disease. Himself and this disease that was to be left untreated, left to proliferate throughout his body unchecked. And so this man now comes. Perhaps at the end of his rope, seeing that his days have become nothing but agony. His days are comprised of watching his body waste away and deteriorate before his very eyes. Sitting, waiting for death as the grave beckons where death intrigues him with its offer of escape from this unending nightmare. And you wonder, did he have a family? Did he have a wife? Did he have children who have been torn from his life? And now he lives as an outcast, cut off, from all his family, cut off from all his friends, cut off from the world. This weary soul has got nothing left. So he says to himself, it is enough. Come what may, I will go to Jesus. It reminds me of the, the woman with the hemorrhage who reaches out for the edge of Jesus' cloak in faith. And so perhaps limping his way into the city, our leper falls to the ground before Jesus, falling on his face, with his face in the dust of the earth, to which he shall soon return, from the depths of sorrow and a broken heart, the leper cries out in desperation, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you 
You can make me clean. Now, thus far in Mark, along with the parallel gospel accounts, there's been no mention of Jesus healing anyone with leprosy. He healed Peter's mother-in-law, we saw, with a fever. He's cast out demons. And although he did heal many diseases in Capernaum, and probably also while on his preaching tour across the towns of Galilee, bear in mind that these are cities and towns. And who was not permitted to enter cities and towns and villages? The lepers. Because they were restricted only to the desolate places, the wilderness, the deserts. Now, despite all of this, our desperate leper hobbles onto the scene with tremendous faith and perhaps tremendous uncertainty. Because he believes Jesus has the power to heal him. He is convinced of it. You can make me clean. But he's not certain about Jesus' willingness to heal him. Lord, if you are willing, if you are willing... You see, the man recognized his absolute unworthiness before Jesus. He comes before the Savior with his head bowed, kneeling, face down before Jesus. And he addresses him as Lord. We see this in Luke 5, the parallel account. And as a leper, this man has grown accustomed to being treated as a social pariah, as the outcast. He has grown accustomed to seeing himself as the unwanted one, the loathed one, the despised one, the rejected one, the one who men did not esteem, the outcast. And being that leprosy was perceived as a curse of God's judgment upon one for their sins, perhaps that was what he was feeling. Perhaps he has felt that this is the explanation for all his sufferings. The reason why I have suffered this fate must be because I am a chief of sinners. I must be the worst of all sinners to have been subjected to this fate. But this Jesus, if he is willing, maybe if he might find it in his heart to be willing, he can make me clean. But that's a big if. Can the mercy of this Jesus stoop down so low into the depths of this iniquity to heal such a sinner as I who has been cursed by God? One who has been cursed of, by God to such an extent. One cursed by God as me. 
Can his compassion stoop down this low and condescend to where I am, down in the depths of this sin within my heart? Am I beyond the reach of his grace? Am I irredeemable? Have I made shipwreck of my faith? Have I outsinned the love of God that he has for me in Christ Jesus? Are these questions we've asked ourselves? Father, I am unworthy to be called your son. I have squandered my inheritance on profligate and immoral living. But Father, have I forfeited my sonship forever? Father, shall you disown me? May I at least be counted as one of your servants? For I am unworthy to be called your son. Lord, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, Jesus of Nazareth, I don't know if you are going to be willing. I know you can make me clean. And if you're not willing, I wouldn't blame you. All I know is that you, of all people, it must be you. You got to be the one who can make me clean. And what is Jesus' response? Verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him who comes to me, I shall in no wise cast out. As Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor leprosy, nor my depravity, my immorality, my selfishness, my greed, my lust, nor any other created thing will be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Jesus is moved with compassion. For this broken man. And that term for moved with compassion is, it's, it falls short because it is, he is 
deeply moved. He is literally moved in the inward parts. There's even a, a, a textual variant that says he is moved to rage within. Rage. And that, that word uh, later on, it, it's also used in John. That same sense is used in John when Jesus approaches Lazarus' tomb. He sees Mary and Martha weeping because Lazarus had died. He sees the Jews weeping. And the shortest verse of the Bible is Jesus wept. Because he was moved and he was troubled deep in his spirit. And that word was, is literally means he was raged in his spirit. And Benjamin Warfield says that it's because he was raging against the destroyer and the destruction of mankind due to sin. He was raging against the destroyer of mankind. And so here he's moved. There's this tumult of emotion within Jesus as he looks down upon this child of God ravaged by the effects of the fall. His heart is churning with emotion. And he's deeply moved for this broken man. And so he reaches out and he touched him. See, this broken child of God, I am willing to be cleansed. Now, the law forbade anyone from coming into contact with a leper. And this is a big no no. Anyone, any man who touches a leopard would be defiled. He would be rendered ceremonially unclean. But Jesus was not any man. Where a man would be defiled by touching that which is unclean, with God, that which is unclean is rather made clean. That which is unclean is purified. And we see that the leprosy leaves the man immediately in verse 42. The healing was instantaneous. So there's no recovery period. There's no rehabilitation. This is like the sign God gave uh, Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 4 when God instructs Moses, you know, put your hand in your cloak and take it out. He takes it out and, and he sees it and it's leprous like snow. It's all white, leprous like snow. And then God tells him, put your hand back in your cloak. He puts it back in. And then when he takes it out, it was fully restored like the rest of his flesh. Just like that, instantaneous. So here, this man's healing is instant. The man's fingers, his limbs, his extremities were instantly restored. And in that moment, this man's skin was renewed across his entire body and his face. His body is now completely clear of any boils, any scars. This is regeneration in the physical sense. 
Yet you must also consider that Jesus could have easily healed this man with a word. Jesus, the word who existed, who pre-existed in eternity past, through whom all things were made and for whom all things were made. I mean, with a word, light was brought into existence. With a word, the heavens and the earth, the stars and the galaxies were formed. And here, instead of a word, Jesus, himself being the eternal word, who has stepped down from heaven and cloaked himself in human flesh to dwell among us, to bear our afflictions and infirmities. Jesus, being both God and man, Jesus, the God-man, stretches out his human hand to touch this afflicted man with divine healing grace. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, for as long as this man has been a leper, he has been excluded from society. He has not felt the closeness, the warmth of the touch of anyone, perhaps for years. But here, in this moment, the very Son of God has laid his hand on him in an act of divine mercy and condescension. The Son of God granting this child of God deliverance from this prison of leprosy and deliverance from his plight. So we've seen the priority of preaching and the plight of the leper. Now let us consider the problem of popularity. The problem of popularity, verses 43 to 45. So after Jesus heals this man, the man is immediately healed. And he being Jesus, verse 43, sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So Jesus firmly gives this man clear and very simple instructions. Don't say anything to anyone, right? First, don't say anything to anyone. And second, go show yourself to the priest. So first, do not say anything to anyone. Because the Jesus mania has already begun. And news of a miraculous healing of a man healed from leprosy will only pour gasoline on the fire of Jesus' fervor that was spreading throughout the region. So don't say anything. Secondly, go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. In this way, the priest would see that you are clean 
and allow you to go through the rituals as prescribed in the Mosaic law that will enable you to be reintegrated into society. But this would require him to go to Jerusalem because that's where offerings were to be made at the temple. So he's got to go all the way to Jerusalem. Now, what does our friend the leper do? Okay, just don't say, don't say nothing. And go show yourself to the priest, verse 45. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Now you got to notice that something interesting here. Notice that prior to this, the leper says nothing. The last he says is, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Right? But notice that after the leper is healed, he utters no words. He comes to Jesus saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. But upon being healed, the man is utterly speechless. Perhaps in pure amazement. Perhaps he's overwhelmed with joy. Perhaps he's in tears. We don't know. All we know is the man doesn't say a word. But when he goes out, it seems that he could contain his joy within himself no longer. He begins to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around. And this word for proclaim is the same word that the New Testament uses for to preach. This is the same word in verse 38. Let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. <clears throat> the same word in verse 14, that Jesus went preaching the kingdom of God. So throughout the New Testament, this word usually refers to the proclamation of the gospel. So literally, this guy is going out preaching of his healing from leprosy. Um, you know, directly disobeying what Jesus just told him. Plus, Jesus has sent this man to the temple at Jerusalem to present himself before the priest. And Jerusalem is a hundred-mile walk from the region of Galilee. So it's a hundred miles from Galilee to Jerusalem. And here, with this man's apparently very big mouth, Soon all of Judea is going to hear about what Jesus did for him. And so, because of the testimony, because of the preaching of this one former leper, what's the result? Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas. And they were coming to him from everywhere. So that word for unpopulated areas, areas are the desolate places, the desert wilderness 
There's a reason why these places are unpopulated. Nobody wants to be there. But now, because of what has happened, Jesus is resigned to have to find himself out there. And do you notice what has happened here? One commentator writes, this passage begins with the leper in the desolate places. An outcast, isolated from the community, barred from life within the city, who ventures into the city, meets Jesus, and is miraculously healed. On the other hand, Jesus, who was initially in the city among the people, yet after healing this leper, Jesus was forced to relocate to the isolated desolate places. In order to heal this man of his leprosy, the Lord had to trade places with him. The Savior was willing to become an outsider so that an untouchable leper, the ultimate outsider, could be rescued and restored and given admittance into the city. So Jesus had to switch places, trade places with this man in healing him. This is a picture of the gospel. This is penal substitutionary atonement. We, like the leper, were outcasts. We were separated from God by the chasm of our sins. We were shut out from the life of God. Though we might have life and we can walk and we can talk and we can eat and we can breathe, nonetheless, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Like the leper, our lives constituted a living death. Without hope and without God in this world. But God intervened. God intervened, demonstrating his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, still spiritual lepers, Christ died for us, taking our iniquities, taking our infirmities, laying them upon himself, having become a curse for us. Having become a curse like a convicted criminal, like a reprobate, having become an outcast, crucified outside the walls, outside the city, by the refuse of the city, having become the outcast of all outcasts, because he was not only rejected by men, but our Savior was also forsaken by God. All so that we, the once leprous, might be accepted before God. As he takes the fall to become the outcast, we gain acceptance before the judge. And we inherit the blessing of eternal life through his son's vicarious righteousness. As we close, I want you to take note of this. In this account of Jesus and the leper, 
if we were to fully apply the analogy of the gospel, it would be like this. Jesus heals the leper by giving his own perfect health to this afflicted man. And in so doing, he takes the leper's fatal disease upon himself and he takes it with him into the grave. In order to bring healing, in order to show compassion, he does so at great cost himself. Suffers the effects of this debilitating disease, the wearing down of his limbs as his nervous system is attacked and as his health deteriorates. The cost of redemption, the cost of compassion. But we also understand that after taking this man's fatal disease with him into the grave, after three days, he will rise triumphant over this ancient destroyer of men once and for all. Praise God for our Savior, our healer, and our redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, as we go about this life, as we experience the agonies and the afflictions of this fallen world, of our fallen bodies. May we take heart knowing that your son has gone through the veil, the veil of death, passing through victoriously on our behalf. We have the assurance of a resurrection unto eternal life. And that even now, as we endure in this life, may we not live for ourselves and our comforts, but extend the compassion that was so characteristic of your son. A compassion that raged within his heart. That we might understand that in this life we will suffer and through many tribulations must we enter into the kingdom of God. But as we endure with sin, disease, suffering, rejection, even our own flesh, that we might look to your son who has redeemed it all. Out of love for our souls and for the glory of your name. It's in his name we pray. Amen.